Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Appraisal Buzzcast. I'm Jim Morrison, and with us today, we have Joan Trice, CEO of Altera Group, and Dennis Webb, MAI, ASI, and RICS Fellow of Primus Valuations. We'll be discussing the income approach and why appraisers should be using it more frequently. Joan, I'll hand it over to you. Thank you, Jim, and welcome, Dennis. And Dennis, being the appraiser nerd that I am, I can't tell you how excited I was to read this article. First of all, let me back up a little bit, because at the very end, it says you can find us at primusibs.com. And I went to that, and I instantly, you got all kinds of points with me, because You want to delve into topics that I think are critically important. And I think the lack of education on even just fundamental things is lacking. And you're saying we don't do, we hardly touch on complex topics, but I'm doing all the talking. So Dennis, tell us about Primus IVS. Okay. Well, the the IVS site has to do with publications and so on. And I recently wrote a fairly large book on the subject of valuing fractional interest in real estate. So that's available there. I also put up all my papers. I've been pretty busy speaking and writing since about 97 on the topic. It's been generally oriented toward a multidisciplinary valuation where you're mixing two disciplines. I would say the way we structure the valuation profession, a lot of other professions too, is is more or less in silos. So business valuation has its silo and the machinery guys have their silo and and uh, real estate appraisers have their silo. And that's all fine. And the associations do a good job of education within that. And, but there are plenty of areas where they need to connect with each other. And that's where I have seen the need being the greatest. So, of course, I've been very busy with the income approach because it is essentially a a universal language. We have real estate appraisers have have their own process of dealing with sale transactions, for example, and it's very highly developed. It's well understood and, and all of that. And business valuation, same thing. But those two approaches can't communicate with each other at all. I'm speaking of both sides here because I, I'm designated in both. And I do business valuation work. I do real estate appraisal work. And I do the in-between part mostly. The income approach, as I gain years of experience, has proved itself to be transparent. It's challenging because you can't hide the ball. All your assumptions are on the table. You can play hide the ball in sales comparison all day or either consciously or unconsciously, usually mostly unconsciously. There can be market dynamics you can't discover unless you spend all day on the phone with market makers, which one ought to anyway. And so that's the reason for the income approach article, though, quite frankly, I'm really getting tired of sort of broadband attacks on appraisal technology. And and you're you're, now the nerd is smiling, of course, because they don't belong. And if if it happens in a courtroom, 
you never know why anything happens in a courtroom, first of all. So I don't <laughs> presume to. Having been in a courtroom. Five questions, you ask counsel, they try to figure it out. But the valuers sitting there ought to have overcome the judge's issue with sensitivity to inputs and all of that. That's sort of an accusation hurled at the income approach. All it is is cards on the table. So I'm, I'm sure I've gone a little bit around the block with that answer to your question, but. No, that's, that's great. Let, let's do this. Let's take a break for a quick commercial message. And when we come right back, we're going to take a deeper dive, Dennis. We've got exciting product news from Cubicasa, the floor plan app. They've announced free floor plans are now available across the nation. The best part is it only takes five minutes at the property to complete a scan with no disto or measuring needed. In addition, the free version of floor plans now offered across the U.S., Cubicasa will also be making available ANSI-aligned digital GLA product for as low as $15 per scan, as well as expanded options to configure the product to best meet your needs. Cubicasa's GLA software can be used in all 50 states to generate ANSI-aligned floor plans with exterior measurements. To find out more or start your free scans, visit cubicasa.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Body. And I highly recommend that uh, the appraisers in the audience read uh, Dennis's article, which we'll have posted on our website. The title of the article is In Defense of the Income Approach. And Dennis, I've had others on in defense of the cost approach. And, you know, one of the reasons your article was a bright, shiny object for me was, as you know, in the residential housing finance world, we have now devolved into a single approach to value the sales comparison approach. You take a couple of jabs at that, and and I was doing a lot of attaboys. So why do you think we have relied on that solely? And how do we get back to doing three approaches to value? Or should we? The answer, the appraiser answered everything is it depends, right? And and so it depends. So the reason I, I do remark in the article that that the reason that sales comparison approach is somewhat venerated and is given a lot of credibility is because people live in houses and they understand the process of knowing that their neighbor is selling their, you know, two bedroom, one bath for one and a half million and or however it's going these days, and that's their price indication. The thing about that is that the market is extremely active. Buyers and brokers, you have an auction market, you have activity virtually every hour of the day. And so the data is, the thing about sales comparison is it does your work for you. And I I don't mean that to minimize it. It's I think it's actually harder to do than the income approach. Well, as you said, there's the we have the capability of hiding the ball. There's so much that the appraiser has to do to be a detective in talking to the listing agent, the selling agent. Sure. What facts are they trying to obfuscate? What is it they don't want me to know? That seems to be, unfortunately, a lot of energy spent trying to hide facts about the the property and the market, in fact. Would you agree? 
Well, also that's suggesting that somebody actually would. And I spend a fair amount of time in litigation, so I know that happens. But but that's not typical. Appraisers are just trying to do their best work. And and quite frankly, given an active market, I would use the sales comparison approach. I, I'm not going to try to use approaches that the market participants don't have in their mind. So on, on the one hand, people are buying into buying houses because they expect to get some use out of it down the road or a vacation home because they expect to use it. So, so there is the future is always there. There's no question about that. Does that have to be part of the appraisal process? Well, if it's discoverable and if that really informs the buyers and sellers of property. But I could just as easily argue that they just look at what their neighbor's house sells for and figure that's what they can get or that's what they have to pay. If that's true, then sales comparison is, in fact, the best way to value single family. Now, it becomes more interesting, and it's not our topic for the moment, but if somebody owns 10% of a vacation home, now what are their expectations? Now we bake the future into our analysis because we're going to have to add additional analysis to this process to understand the 10% interest. So there are applications that diverge where you do need to look at the income approach even though the market might not because you're trying to implement the objectives of a fractional interest holder or you're trying to understand risk so you need to blend the two but that's not a great number of people are involved in that sort of thing so if it's straight straight up single family very active market um, unless uh, the biggest buyer is BlackRock. So, you know, that that could be just expanding their single family portfolio. They're going to rent them all out. Well, right. now you have a rental market. And so that might be necessary. So that might be where appraisers are coming to bump into the income approach. If that informs the major buyers, then it will have to be considered. So that's a possibility. Excellent. Let's take another commercial break and we will be right back. The Dictionary of Real Estate Appraisal 7th Edition is a landmark text that reflects the depth and breadth of appraisal knowledge. Each entry definition and reference has been painstakingly researched and designed to reflect the expert understanding of issues that currently impact the profession. The new dictionary is an essential authoritative research for all appraisers. To purchase, visit appraisalinstitute.org slash dictionary seven. Welcome back, everybody. We're with Dennis Webb today, and we're talking about in defense of the income approach. And Dennis, before the break, uh, you were talking about just what's the motivations of the the buyer. You know, is the sales comparison the only thing that they should be looking at? Isn't it true that there are an awful lot of buyers? Again, it depends on the price range that you're in are making the analysis with their family. Do we want to rent or to buy? Well, then you need to do an income approach, more or less. Or, honey, do we want to build? In which case you would do a cost approach. I can't make a decision if I want to buy an existing home or rent a home or build a home 
without understanding all three approaches. Would you agree or disagree? I mean, what are your thoughts? It should always be considered. I mean, the the appraisal report must examine all three approaches and explain what peers would do and what the appraiser's choices were. That's in every single appraisal report. Right. So if it's in a market that is dominated by rentals and the buyer might be institutional, which we touched on before the break, then of course, what is that? Of course, what's in the mind of an institutional buyer is a very interesting question. And I think the residential market will be coming to that. There's no, no doubt that it's a trend. And owning single-family rentals, uh, condos and, and everything else uh, is a big deal. And uh, especially if these things get put on the blockchain and we have non-fungible tokens where ownership is actually, you have a thousand people owning your your Miami condo. So we it's sort of a brave new world in, in some respects because it hasn't been that investment dominated in the past. That would depend on... Everything depends on the local market. When we're talking about market value, we can be talking about other types of value. For example, a family who has various real estate assets they're splitting up once the grandparents die. And so the children have to divide up the real estate. Well, now I'll throw in another wild card. We could have intangible value that needs to be considered because we're talking about actual people, not hypothetical people. That's coming, by the way, for residential appraisers and everybody else. Can you give me an example of that? What what are you what are your what do you mean by that? Well, so suppose the family has two or three vacation homes and they have a primary residence and all of that. Uh, maybe some of the vacation homes are owned by multiple parties together, or or maybe they're owned with other families. They have some sort of a usage schedule. They like to go skiing. Other people like to go hiking, whatever. So they have seasonal usage. I've been involved with quite a few vacation homes. They get they have intangible value, don't they? Especially when grandma wants to have the kids around, and they do. Seriously, mine did anyway. I've run into a whole bunch. So there's there are intangible issues involved in that ownership. When the grandparents die, which everybody eventually will, then how are these things divided up? Are they divided up? How are they owned? Somebody needs to counsel the family. And if you're only looking at a sterilized view of hypothetical buyer-seller, you'll miss things that are important. You'll miss things in divorces that are important to one side or the other. These aren't daily tasks for most appraisers, definitely. But when lender business thins out sometimes, you might want to have better access to litigation, divorce stuff, and, uh, and all types of other markets. So Well, I think uh, what you've helped uh, our audience uh, grapple with today, and certainly me, is that we, as a profession, I think need to do a better job of critical thinking. (laughs) I 
I think maybe as uh, the human race could do a little better at critical thinking instead of adopting a sort of ideologue approach to, to life and think outside the box a little bit. Think for yourself, really, is uh, sure. what you're proposing. And I, I do recommend that everybody go check out your website, primusivs.com, because I was... Uh, taken with your statement about you are seeking education um, around some of these, I think, often forgotten but important um, aspects of valuation. So thank you for sharing time with us today and sharing your paper with us. Welcome entirely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Joan and Dennis. That was really enlightening, and I hope the appraisers are listening to that. Thanks to all of our listeners and our sponsors for helping us put these together. If you have any comments or would like to be included on a future buzz, reach out to us at comments at appraisalbuzz.com. Thanks, and have a great day.